much like I'm a fan of you, Robert. I'm so happy to be an underdog in this equation. It, it, gives, me, it gives me great pleasure. I'm sure it has nothing to do with my height. I, I don't even know how tall you are. Not really. I think we met once. We did. We did. In we person. met. Yeah. For 10 seconds. I tell you what, on Zoom, I'm 6'1". Exactly. So for all I know... Hi, buddy, and welcome to a very special edition of The Human Element. Uh, We've had a bumpy week, uh, so we are recording on a Friday, and we are for the first time ever doing a little bit of a Friday happy hour pod. We'll see how this goes. It's a a real experiment. I'm incredibly excited to have Ji Young Kim, our chief digital officer, our very own chief digital officer at Care USA, join us. Ji, thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me, and you can call me Ji. (laughs) <laughs> well, I just did, but thank you for giving me permission officially. Uh, the millions of people that listen to the podcast would have, uh, would have added me pretty heavily without that. Okay, before we jump in, what I'd love to do is give me a little bit on your role. What mm-hmm. is it? And mm-hmm. how did you manage to find your way? Because you're relatively recent to us. Yes. Sir. How did you manage to find your way to us? So it's probably going to be easier if I start with the second part of that question. Gee, as, as I expected, you're already running the entire pod, so that's fine. <laughs> like, I'll start with how I came to arrive at Kara. I'm not going to lie, I've been here since March, but I've had my eye on Kara for a long time. I want to say the, the starting point was about, I want to say over five years ago. Really? Yeah. When I said to my then boss we should acquire this little company that caught my eye Mm. called Merkle. (laughs) Not a little price tag. Just, uh, it was a longer time ago. (laughs) It it was prior to 3 billion? It was prior to that. (laughs) Obviously, I was so important that nobody cared what I thought. We obviously know what happened with Merkle. So, G, I'm going to interrupt you for one sec because... Of the many things we have in common, mm-hmm. this is one of them, and I don't think you know because the one not of, important part. <laughs> one one of the major recommendations I made mm-hmm. to IBM before I left, and one of the contributing factors to my departure, <laughs> was that I made a very strong recommendation that we should acquire Merkel. Now, this was oh, when wow. it had entered the larger price tag. I see because I thought it was such a critical asset. And so I find it interesting, you know, in the great minds think alike. Uh, And by the way, this is a real Mm. compliment to me (laughs) that that I agreed with you, although appropriately I was, you know, three years behind. (laughs) Thank you for that. But it's true. Like it was heavily involved in mobile, uh, Mm. which was considered an emerging craft at the time which deeply offended me at the time, but that's neither here nor there. And naturally, because my passion kind of like stayed in that territory of data, largely performance, no surprise, I kept running into Kara. So Mm. especially the last couple of years before I joined, I saw Kara everywhere, every pitch, every client. That was kind of like the whisper that I would hear. Mm. And it makes sense because... The things that I was passionate about, usually M1 was usually part of that conversation. 
Yep. And fast forward to this year, the boss I had whispered that thought to became our U.S. CEO. Really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We've had her on the pod a number of times. Yes. Yes. She and I started talking about how digital as a concept was due for a renaissance, mm. right? We, you know, versus where digital was born, which was like this little itty bitty thing that like somehow has kind of like permeated everything to there is a next wave that we both firmly believe is coming. And that was kind of the vision behind the role, which is called chief digital officer, But in reality, what it really means is the application of digital concepts to everything we do. Yeah. So that vision just felt really exciting, which is why I'm here. So one of the things I love about that, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, is how broadly horizontal your view of digital is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for those of us that are now walking with a cane and have a wheelchair on the weekends now that we're, you know, 50 years old. That's me, not you. I'm incredibly gratified by that because I'm long held that that is, that's the transformative property of digital is, mm-hmm. is not what it can do in deep specificity, although that is highly compelling. Mm-hmm. It is what it does in its entirety across right. Right. the entire value chain of an organization, not just marketing, by the right. way product development, customer mm-hmm. care, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, if you and I were to sit down and write the, the unpublished book we're never going to write, it might be about that. It might be about mm-hmm. how transformative digital is across the entire enterprise and how much all companies from any category are in that business right now or in the business of figuring out what that transformation is. In your view, what does that look like for us? We've already started. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't really necessarily need me I think my role is more about acceleration more than kind of like the end product. But like, let's take a really, really simple example, right? About what you, exactly what you just said. We have this amazing asset called M1. When we use M1 audience insights to inform a linear TV plan, was that a linear exercise or was that a digital exercise? (laughs) And that's the way we have to start thinking. And the limitations on how far and extensive we take this is really in the hands of the practitioners. It's Mm. practitioners who have been told to do things a very specific way since the beginning of Mad Men, right? And it's really where we go next is really about kind of like breaking some crap up you know, to stay PG-13. Like, it's, it's time. Let's, let's dive into sort of, you spend a lot of time with clients. I think that's one of the things that's so important about your role is how, how much we put it at the center of client interactions. Mm-hmm. And I want to sort of get your perspective on the kinds of things and the kinds of conversations that they're having. So mm-hmm. we're, here we are, we're in the fifth yep. month of this insane pandemic exercise. Where are clients right now? You know, where are they sort of on a scale of pessimism, optimism, resignation? Where are they coming from and where are they focused? I mean, the funny thing is it's almost neither, none of those things. I think in month five, 
we are in this really weird confusion mm. phase. But confused over what? The confusion phase is really about this bleeds into some other topics, but we kind of, as a civilization, had the ability to kind of take better control of this pandemic and the impact. Mm. So there's a portion of the impact that is self-inflicted. So there is a little bit of confusion as to theoretically and based on all logical thinking, there is a version of our future where we know when we can come out of this and back into uh, something that looks like recovery. And we have dates that we can put around that. Right. However, there are some trends that are entirely illogical. So we need a backup plan for the illogical version of the world where this continues through to the summer of next year, as an example. Yeah. Right? And those two versions of... Uh, of plans, not just media, but from a business standpoint, they look really different. Yeah. What in plan A, let's call Mm -hmm. it the logical plan. Yeah. What does that look like? And then we'll get to the illogical plan B. (laughs) Plan A is, is, is very optimistic. Plan A is, if anything, I don't know if it's a composition of our clients or the clients that I talk to, but plan A, where there's a kind of a target date for recovery and pseudo-normalcy, there is, especially amongst kind of like more digital native clients, there is this kind of like understanding that this is an opportunity to mm. really put in place a lot of things that we had talked about, championed, and just weren't able to do. And so what are a couple examples of that? Because I think that's a really good observation. So for example, we had this thought or this belief that pure reach-based media, tentpole sports, upfronts, right? You live and die by those things, right? Because you need reach. You need like masses of people to know about you and have seen kind of like your brand. Because if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there to hear, it doesn't make a sound. Okay. Exactly. Now, those of us who have been talking about a different way to get to the same outcome, we've never been able to convince the, you know, kind of the masses that the risk is not as big as previously thought. But now there's no option. Right. Uh, that that world kind of went away and there's no choice but to turn into either more data or more platforms or more e-commerce. Yep. These things are not choices anymore. So there's a bit of an understanding in some of the optimistic part of our clients that this is a time. Mm-hmm. This is a time you kind of get aggressive about all of the theories that we believed in religiously And if we can prove it during this time, we'll be in a different place uh, come next year. Yeah. So I love that. I think that's such an excellent description. Let's spend a minute since we set it up on plan B. Mm -hmm. Plan B is we are in this 
significant, ongoing, uh, right. very influx, uh, influx environment for, I don't know, another 12 mm-hmm. plus 18 months. And in that planning process, what are the kinds of things that we're talking to clients about or that that we're trying to get clients to think about? So there's one big thing we are talking to clients about uh, in that scenario. Ironically, it's about the power of brands, Hmm. right? And this is coming from somebody who's been addicted to performance marketing for a long time. So you're making confessions. I am making a confession. <laughs> I had a really good run talking about the power of customer growth and acquisition yeah. and what I can do to drive the bottom line versus that fluffy brand stuff that we survey people about. Do you love me or not? <laughs> and I was like, but I can get you money. Right. Yeah. Do you want a survey or do you want money? Right. But... When things are bad, we all know it's going to be bad. We know there's going to be a contraction. There, yeah. We know there's going to be financial uncertainty in kind of like the plan B scenario. And in that scenario, even I am a huge believer that the power of your brand will carry you through. Mm. The thing that makes somebody, even if they can't choose you today, want to choose you tomorrow is the power of the brand. So we talk about that a lot. And that is unfortunately or fortunately very intertwined with culture. And culture by definition is about what's happening in the now. Yeah, in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love that you brought that up because one of the questions I have on my little list, question 10, if you're scoring at home, uh, we send these to the audience in advance. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> is, you know, look, we've been chasing a holy grail mm-hmm. in marketing for a really long time, right? And that holy grail is sort of focused on a seminal question, which is with all the advances in technology and data and channels and creativity, all these things that have dramatically changed the business since the day I walked into what it can do mm-hmm. now. And yet, we still have this tension between performance and brand and how they come together in a way that makes more logical sense and helps both quote unquote sides of the equation. And I I hate using that example, Mm -hmm. but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. How are we talking about that balance with clients? Because that really gets to your point, right? Like how are we taking a performance-led orientation that is so prevalent across the industry, right? An addressable future that is within our grasp across any channel, right? In the, in the near term. And yet the fact that at the end of the day, this idea of connection to culture and the power of brand still matters so much. We, we have not invalidated the fluffy survey Mm -hmm. stuff. We've just said to ourselves, Oh yeah, that stuff still matters. How do we connect those? I love that you asked that because it is the theme of my entire career. I I talked (laughs) about mobile a little bit. My entire career, I've been a fan of the underdog. I remember starting in, oh my God, this is going to date me. I was enamored with digital during like the dot-com bubble. Sure. Because it seemed like kind of like a, a new thing that people didn't take seriously, but it really kind of like gained traction in my brain with mobile. I was 
I remember looking at this and thinking this is going to change our world. And I was deeply offended when the industry seemed to believe that when mobile becomes everything, it's the desktop incumbents who will take over our world. Mm. I was like, why would you not think for a second someone like me might have thoughts about how someone like you should go about doing things? And that is how I feel about performance and brand. I've always been a lover of branding. I just thought it was deeply offensive that in my past life, brand building practitioners didn't think that I should have an opinion about it. Mm. But I've always been a believer that performance people, our job is to capture anybody and everybody who's ever expressed an interest in my brand. But I need help making more of those guys. So if you are not already interested in what my brand has to say, you're going to be too expensive for performance to acquire. So what I want to know from my branding brethren in my past life was how much do you need and how long it will take you. What I do not respect is the inability to provide mathematical commitments to that question. We should all be able to answer that concretely. How much? How long? Yeah. Even though it's, you know, assumption-based, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. At least you're doing the work of the thought. I don't want to hear, oh, two percentage basis points on some, (laughs) sorry, on some attribute. We have a beep machine. Sorry. Yeah, it's all I don't right. wanna I don't wanna hear that. Like that no <laughs> brand wants to hear that. Like, oh, I gained a percentage point on this particular attribute. I wanna know what that translates to in terms of scale that I can go acquire and convert or reduction in a cost per that you're going to deliver for the business. Yep. Like, that yep. shouldn't be hard. No, shouldn't be. I love that. Thank you. So a couple of things. One more thing here around sort of where clients' mindset is. I got a, a question from one of our global client leads the other day asking me, you know, what is our latest piece of thought leadership around how should clients be thinking about the fall in terms of, you know, diving into the recovery? And again, you got to remember, this is a global, yeah. global, th- th- yeah. we're really going to separate, really going a different direction than global yeah. markets. But if somebody asked you that question, how would you answer that from a, a snippet of a global answer and then from a, a U.S. market answer? I mean, it's pretty consistent. Again, like just keep in mind, I'm like a skew towards digital. But this situation is really interesting because if you think about kind of like digital and especially digital performance, right? One of the things that we have to start paying attention to is are we getting the performance because the there's actual customer interest in what we're saying? Or are we getting it because the front-end costs are so cheap? Do we have a quality issue? Exactly. So to give a great example with this pandemic, in markets that are more impacted, right, media is going to be cheaper. Yep. Nobody wants that, right? 
So if you have, this is the first time in my career where you have, if you have things set to auto-optimize to where conditions are most favorable, you might find your media actually running towards places where people have, are really heavily impacted, right? They can't go to stores or they can't go outside just because there's no competition there, media competition, right? So this is the first time where you have to like, especially in the fall, we have to look, okay, there's going to be zones of different levels of competition and there is a very good possibility that we might have to pay a premium for the smaller pockets where there's even potential for growth. Yeah, where people can actually go to like Fridays. Yeah, and have the luxury of even going to a Fridays, right? Yeah. Did, did you like that I picked Fridays there? I know I you're a, a lover of fine cuisine. <laughs> <but> it, <laughs> I, I think that's a really interesting point that people aren't necessarily thinking about is the way that we have structured segmentation of value of markets now has an additional almost completely unique and overpowering overlay, and that is where are you on the COVID curve? Mm-hmm. And that's an internationally relevant thing too. It's not. It's happening to everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's happening to everyone. That's a really good point. That's yeah. a really good point. You might just be getting it because it's cheap. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, nobody can leave the damn house, but it's mm-hmm. cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's change gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know you've been waiting for this. We've covered this topic in some detail over the past couple of weeks. I'd love your point of view. Social platforms, you know, obviously have had an interesting past couple of months, Facebook in particular. We've covered in great detail the boycott, some of the implications mm-hmm. of that. What's your perspective on where they are in that continuum? But more importantly, what have you seen clients do as either alternatives or sort of to try to look to, you know, diversify their digital footprint? Great question. I actually believe that the entire kind of like all the media, everybody, all stakeholders in media have done bad things when it comes to this topic. Mm. There's not a single freaking entity that can claim they've been on the side of right this entire time, including us. Uh, I'll put that out there. Yeah. No, I think that's the important point, including us. Including Including us. us. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But there's a difference like I, I've said this to you personally, yep. but I consider myself many times a bad person. I have done some bad things. Now, the big difference is I have not made money <laughs> from doing bad things. I have not always been kind to children, <laughs> but I do not operate a sweatshop Yep. manned by children. And yep. there's a huge difference between those two things. Yep. I am a little worried with what's happening in our landscape right now with our partners trying to take a moral ground in order to preserve their financial gains. Mm-hmm. When I don't really care where they stand in the moral spectrum, I just don't want them to monetize from doing bad things. Mm-hmm. And where our clients are, rightfully so, and I, it's not just clients. Let's look at our own community. Mm-hmm. I want to say like clients, yes, but more so, especially when I look at 
are younger digital teams coming up the ranks. And you're talking about the, not just in our own organization, but across the industry, agency populations. Everywhere, all kind of like these digital practitioners that are coming into the ranks that still are not jaded like you and me and still believe that this is a good profession where they can do good things for the world, right? Well, can I? Uh, yes, I'm deeply jaded. We've we've covered that. <laughs> we've done 83 podcasts. It's pretty apparent. I still believe in the magic that marketing can do good in the world. So I, I do want to say that. True. I, I do want to say that. I don't think you disagree with that. So I, but I think that part is a choice. I agree with that. I think not monetizing from doing bad things totally is agree. not a choice. Totally agree. That's a mandate. But your point, and I interrupted you. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but your point is that the younger population. Mm-hmm. A, they come to this debate infinitely more informed. I know that I'll speak for myself than I did 30 years ago. <laughs> but they also come, and I think this is one of the remarkable things about this younger generation, is that they come with a sense of the world and a worldview that is idealistic. Well, but it's not, it, yes, but it's infinitely more dimensionalized. I was idealistic at 22 or 25, but they have a worldview and a footprint of that worldview that is vastly broader than, than what Absolutely. But here's the thing. Don't you, as an old person, wanna, <laughs> <laughs> want to preserve that ideal for as long as possible? Don't you want people to feel that that is attainable and possible and something to strive for? for as long as possible before they get jaded. Here's how I'm going to answer that, because mm-hmm. I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And my answer to that is a dad, you know, six or seven years ago when my kids were, you know, 10 and 12 or whatever, is different than what my answer is now. And, and so my answer for the industry would be this. I believe this generation, that their orientation to the change and their deep-seated commitment to the change actually isn't idealistic. I think it's, it's logical. I think mm-hmm. it is necessary and a driving force mm-hmm. to what we should be doing. And mm-hmm. so my answer is, I don't want to protect them because I feel like we need to protect them. I want to unleash them because mm-hmm. that's what's got to happen next. Now, yeah. I will say this. My answer to that six years ago would have been different because I would have, because I view mm-hmm. everything through the lens of fatherhood. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I yeah. would have been different. But to some extent, it's neither here nor there. The reality is, and I think this is your point, it's choice time. It is. It's it's long past yeah. choice time. But we, we got to stop pretending. Yeah. Some of us were good people and some of us were bad people. We got to stop pretending. Yeah. Like we were yeah. all bad people. Yeah. And if you agree, if everybody in the universe agrees, I really don't care if somebody's a bad person. But if we can all agree that you can't make money off of being bad, the bad crap will go away eventually. Yeah, or it'll be minimized. Right. Or it'll be minimized. Right. I'm going to ask you one more, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get into the lightning round. Got it. Okay. Just three hours ago, the intelligence agencies within the U.S. government came out and said, oh, you know what? As it turns out, the Russians are actively engaged in the election and leaning toward supporting the president, and they made a much less strong claim around China potentially interfering in in an effort to support potentially the challenger. The point of this question is this. 
what do you think our clients and marketers will do next as it relates to the election? We are 86 days from the election. We are going to have moments of high drama. We're going to have moments when really for the first time in their lifetimes, marketers are caught up in the United States in a level of contentiousness that has not existed since, you know, 1864. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice and guidance are you giving to clients knowing that that minefield is, Mm -hmm. is literally out there? There's only two choices. There's the practical approach, which is totally valid, which is stay out because it is an incredibly... Because there's just no winning. There's no winning. Like, um, first of all, the amount of money that shows up during the peak of this season is the equivalent of like a few Fortune 5 brand budgets being dumped in the market all in one month. Their annual media budgets being dumped in the market in just one month. That's how noisy the environment is. So unless you can combat that, don't bother. Yep. Right? And then the second part is, if you are a brand that has the right to take a stance, this is the time to do it. When Mm -hmm. that much money is in the market and you have the opportunity to be part of a cultural movement, but you have to pick. Which one are you going to be a part of? I love that. And your logic here is because the thing about all that money in the market is it's something to bounce off of. It's organic media. I'm still a media person. Right, exactly. So Mm -hmm. if you are oriented in which purpose and cause you're all in, there is so much amplification available. Without your money. That's right. Without your money, this is the moment. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. But high risk. There's lots of brands who are from the jump are going to be like, yeah, it's not, that's not the game. I play. Exactly. In which yep. case stay out is the yep. right answer. Yep. Yep. But if you have been, if you have a right to win in this mm. moment of culture, mm. oh, you're going to have a grand old time. <laughs> that's such a great answer. Mm-hmm. Gee, you're the best. Oh. <laughs> All right. Lightning round. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> All right. Short answers to short questions in theory. Best piece of content recently consumed? Any, you know, Netflix series, movie, yeah. book, podcast? Can it be a quote? Sure. I started watching Ozark because I'm stuck here at home. <laughs> Which you've enjoyed. Which I deeply enjoy in a one-bedroom <laughs> apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> and there's this character, again, going back to being a fan of underdogs that I love. I don't really know her name. But she utters this phrase come get you some. And I thought that was, I got to figure out how to weave that into a conversation at some point. I see that on a pitch slide in your future. (laughs) Come get you some. Come get you some. (laughs) You got to pick the client, I think. I think so. Yeah. And something people don't know about me, I'm not Korean American. I'm Korean Korean. So American culture fascinates me. So Ozark is really fascinating to me, but because I don't get to go to Ozarky places, this is not something I'm familiar with. Right. So I was like, I'm in love with this character. Yeah. So when we've gotten through whatever this is, mm-hmm. it's not Ozark, 
but it has some adjacency. Ooh. And uh, I promise you and I, we're going to get in a car. We're going to drive to where I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We're going to go to the local dive bar. You grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania? I did. I did. It's a true story. And I've we'll, been there. And we'll, oh, excellent. And we're yes. going uh, to observe a little culture. All right. My people. Deal. Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Why? My husband's a photographer. Yeah. So I like, I follow his Instagram. It's the one way I support him. Well, look, marriage is about finding the one way. Exactly. <laughs> so I can't feed him. I can't cook worth crap. Right. I can't clean. I have a cleaning lady for that. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing I got is I follow Instagram. His All right. Instagram oh. feed. So yeah. likes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. Uh, we just said this. I am actually Korean Korean, 100%. Not Korean American. I've only been in the U.S. the last twenty years, and you'll have to ask me later why. But I'm also fluent in Spanish. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Gee, as I knew you would be, you are magic. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is great. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see you. <laughs> I don't. Same. It may be. It may Same. be 2025, but I can't wait. Please take care of yourself, and I I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Human Element. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Subscribe. We appreciate it deeply. We'll be back out to you real soon. Bye-bye.